Welcome everyone to another uh, episode of the Casting for Fun podcast. This is part two of the special episode trilogy that we have been talking about for a while. And joining me again on the show is my lovely wife, Allison. Allison, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm part of a trilogy. Yes, you are. (laughs) Very excited that we have this opportunity to talk about this particular subject, which is a subject that's very near and dear to mine and Allison's hearts, which is fostering. Uh, and again, uh, thank you for your patience in this episode being released a little bit later than I had planned. Uh, I actually been doing some thinking with the podcasting and, you know, Allison's giving me some feedback as well as feedback from other friends that uh, it might be actually beneficial to kind of um, uh, space out the episodes a little more, uh, maybe release once a week is what I'm planning to do starting now uh, to do every Tuesday night, which I found is the best night to record. So welcome again to this special episode. This is going to be an episode where Allison and I are going to share our feelings on fostering. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> this is a special episode, as we've discussed before, again, uh, uh, more sensitive and uh, uh, more difficult subject to talk about, more so than some of the, the other pieces I've done, like the most recent 311 day episode. <laughs> but, Which was good. I liked it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but this is a very, uh, this is actually going to be an informative episode. So if anyone who's ever considered fostering or thought about it or just wanted to know what exactly it entails, I think Allison and I are going to do our best to share our thoughts and uh, uh, answer questions. And uh, hopefully you come away from this wiser and more knowledgeable as to what fostering is and how it can impact your lives, but also the lives of the children that you're helping to um, helping to grow and give them a safe home to, to live in while they have to temporarily be separated from their families. Oh, yeah, not crying at all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so as we ended the last episode uh, that Allison and I had done together, we had again had decided that after the failed attempts of IVF that we weren't going to be trying that anymore to uh, grow our our family naturally through through uh, doing that medical procedure of IVF. But uh, the the idea of fostering came into our family. So Allison, if you can touch a little more on that, how uh, fostering came to you, and then how you approached it to me. Well, that's a great question. So, you know, we decided to go against any more IVF. And the next thought I had was to try and privately adopt. And as I started to research that for several months and look into that, I found out that was going to be even more expensive than IVF, about 50 grand to do a private adoption of a newborn. And that just wasn't a reality after we'd spent so much money on IVF over the years. Um, and so I thought for a little bit that we'd hit a roadblock. There was nothing else for our family. And then someone, I don't know where, presented the idea of fostering to me. And, you know, the only experience I'd ever had with fostering was some neighbors down the street from us in Utah that had fostered several kids and they did it for the wrong reasons. It was a really unhealthy environment. They did it for the money you could tell. And that was it. I had no clue about the foster world and what, it, what existed and what it entailed. And so I started researching that and um, thought this might be an avenue for us to grow our family. And I remember coming to you and saying, hey, I think we should look into this. And what was your response initially? My initial response was, I, I believe at the time that our family was just fine the way it was, that it was just myself, Allison, and Avery. Uh, and you know that just, uh, just the two of us plus Avery meant that we can do more family stuff that all of our attention could be focused on Avery. There could be so many wonderful things we can do with just the three of us as a family. But uh, at the same time, 
understanding or feeling uh, that maybe Avery could feel left out because again, growing up as an only child can be a little difficult. Allison and I both come from big families. Uh, Allison is the oldest of seven. I'm the middle child of five. So we always had siblings around us. And uh, to not be able to give that to Avery could be kind of challenging and hard for her. But at the same time, I was concerned about the additional challenges that an additional child would bring to our family. So uh, fostering, I don't believe I was exactly on board initially. But Allison, as she does with everything she does, she does a really good job of selling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying I'm pushy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe it's nice <laughs> but it's true. I'm not denying that. I, but I felt strongly about it. And mm-hmm. the spirit spoke that we needed to look into it at least. And when the spirit speaks to me and I feel strongly about something, nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, Allison does the extensive research like she, she always does. And uh, and she always wants to consider my feelings and how I'm feeling about stuff. So I always remember Allison distinctly saying after she had done the research and again with, with fostering, there's so many different agencies you can choose from. So I think after word of mouth and uh, if I remember correctly, we did. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's a, I mean, again, this is not necessarily like a huge, massive podcast that's going to reach many people, but maybe for the sake of this case, we don't necessarily mention the names of agencies that we left or didn't like, but again, talk about the agency that we've stuck with, right? Yeah, but I did research. I mean, there's, that's one thing I learned. There's hundreds of foster agencies, even in our area. There's so many to choose from. And I spent almost a year researching because I really wanted the right fit for us. And I found three or four that worked. And I think we went to several informational sessions. Yeah, that's the part that I wanted to get to. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, sweetheart. Oh, yeah, that, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so, so we went to several, just to kind of get a, a gauge and idea. So they basically, they would sell us on their presentation. But wait, wait, wait. Do you remember what I told you to get you to go to a session? No. Okay. <laughs> Your face is so cute. I remember saying... Like, cause you were a little hesitant, nervous about it. Oh yeah. yeah and I just remember saying, let's just go to some informational sessions and, and get a feel for it and learn a little bit more. And if you're not on board, then I'll support that. Do you remember that? Oh, that I remember. Yeah. But okay. I, thought we, I thought you were talking about like a special treat. Like you're going to offer me something like, uh, I don't know, three eleven day tickets or something. Like that. <laughs> I mean, I wish, but maybe yeah. now in the future, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's that part I was going to mention that. Yeah. Allison said, I mean, you know, it's a special favor to her and how felt strongly she felt about it that uh, that we should go to these meetings to kind of get a gauge and understand what fostering is and what the agencies were offering. And again, Allison being the considerate, wonderful wife that she is. I'm so wonderful. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. <laughs> if, if I had said, you know what, after going to a meeting and deciding, you know what, I don't have a good feeling, I don't think this is right for our family, we shouldn't do this, that you would support me 100%. Mm-hmm. I was I totally think, on board with that. Yeah you, yeah, you absolutely were. But at the same time, I know you were probably secretly hoping that I was going to say yes. Well, that's because I felt strongly with the spirit that it was right for our family. But yeah. I would have supported you if you'd said no, absolutely not. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's important to consider or, or just mention that if we had gone to the meeting and if you had gotten a bad feeling after all saying, you know what, I initially felt good. But after hearing that presentation, maybe it isn't best for our family. I think you would have been logical enough to say maybe it's not the best fit for us I don't know if logical is a word I'd use for me but (laughs) but do you remember we did have that kind of experience though yeah like I went we went to a meeting and I remember in the meetings they try and paint a realistic picture of what to expect with fostering and I remember getting overwhelmed and nervous about it even though I hadn't been going into it and we left the meeting and I was nervous and I was hesitant and do you remember how you responded 
Um, I responded with, uh, okay, so that's, it's a great point that Allison just brought up that, that you wanted to give us a realistic expectation as to what fostering entails, because a lot of people may have the impression or idea that uh, if you foster, you welcome a child into your home, that you're going to be able to keep that child forever and that you'll adopt them and then you'll, they'll always be your child. But the reality is that the high, the percentage of children who are reunified with their parents is significantly high. I forget what they actually said. That the remember. actual adoption number is very, very minimal. Right. And that and the fact that they wanted us to be they wanted to make it clear to us that you're you're not really like an adoptive parent. You are a resource parent, as they called mm-hmm. it, that we're essentially a resource to this child because of given their unfortunate circumstances, their biological parents or guardians aren't able to keep the child and that we are there essentially just as a placeholder, as it were, until they are able to get their ex back together. Right. So, so again, they, they went, they, that's what they, the main sell, I think that they were telling us is that the idea that you could actually have a positive impact on this child's life for a short amount of time or for a long amount of time, depending on how long you, you end up keeping the child is something that's worthwhile and can be a very moving experience for you. And I think that's what sold me on it. Mm -hmm. That once I heard that, and I got to actually see the presentation, I, I told Allison that if we don't get to adopt, it's fine by me, but you know we can see that there's some kids that are suffering and really need a home and need nurturing and, and teaching and guidance. And uh, that's definitely something that I'm into, that we can take the resources and abilities that we have to do what we can, because you're going to do so much. I mean, you can do everything, but just to do what we can to help a child. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I was sold in and I said, yes, let's, let's, uh, let's move forward with this. Let's begin uh, becoming uh, foster parents, which I think speaks to your character because I went into it very selfishly. Everyone says, "Oh, it's amazing that you foster," but I just wanted to adopt more children and and grow our family. And so I feel like it wasn't as altruistic as people thought. Whereas you went into it truly to just help a child, and I think that speaks loads to your character and your heart. And when I got nervous, thinking, "Can, can I handle this? Can I say goodbye to a child?" Oh, see, I'm crying already then you went into it with let's let's serve and help where we can and that was really sweet and just really a good push for me to continue to move forward with courage thank you sweetheart yes absolutely so uh i want to give you a little background on what what it actually entails so we uh so we we chose the agency that we went with again i i don't want to mention the the specific name Uh, i guess for those who are interested you feel free to private message either myself or allison because i guess we're, we're pretty transparent and willing to discuss agencies and say this one's good this one maybe not as good but uh again really i think every every agency is doing good work by the fact is even doing being a part of the fostering process i think so everyone should be commended for that but certain agencies i think maybe better fits for the needs of certain families basically mm-hmm. is what i'm trying to say so so with the agency we chose they they gave us classes they gave us a lot of training so there's lots of things that you have to learn to do uh, to be able to care for the child. And then your home has to be extensively prepared, you know, childproof, that our home had to be safer for this foster baby or foster child that we would welcome into our home more so than our own biological daughter, Yeah, which was kind of interesting, right? That's been one thing that's been interesting through the whole process is like everything is overkill and double checked and triple checked. And some of the things that I would never do for my own biological child, they're asking us to do for foster children. And I get why they have to ensure that the child's in a safe environment, but it's been 
really challenging to meet the requirements that they expect because they're so over the top sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, the requirements that we'll probably maybe go into uh, uh, more detail uh, privately if you guys ever wanted to know more about it. But just for the sake of uh, getting the episode going, sharing the information, we'll go ahead and move forward. Well, tell them a couple of examples. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so drawers have to be uh, baby proofed and baby locked. So even if, if you don't have a child that can reach them. Yeah. Even if you don't have a yeah. child that can reach them, they still have to be locked. Yeah. uh gates have to be set up of course we kind of had a gate for avery anyways right mm -hmm. to, to keep her out of the kitchen uh keep her kind of contained in the living room area so she couldn't get into bathrooms uh medicine cabinets definitely got to be locked mm -hmm. so the child can't get to medicines even if they can't reach them because in our home they can't how we have it set up uh if you own your own home and you have a pool you have to have it fenced and gated uh here at the, uh, the complex that we live at we uh, our, our pool is already fenced and gated, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, you have, if you, depending on which floor you live on, because we live on the second upstairs floor, we have to have an escape ladder that's accessible. That's three stories three, long. Three, yeah. Yeah. And we have a fire extinguisher now. We do. We have yeah. um, all of our knives and sharp things that are locked away. Medicine in the fridge has to be put inside of a locked box. I mean, it's really extensive, all the little things that they do, which again is understandable, but it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then also another part that's important to remember or mention is that they had to do an extensive background check on us mm -hmm. to find out what kind of people we are. Uh, we had to have fingerprints done. Again, that, that was a process that had to be paid to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's kind of funny, too. So we also deal with lots of different social workers throughout the whole process to getting approved just to get approved. And, and not only that, the people who are going to be supporting us and helping us take care of the children, they have to get uh, approved as well. Mm -hmm. So it is a whole process. But one, one part that I thought was kind of interesting and that I kind of liked was that once we got interviewed for our background check, uh, our social worker was actually pretty impressed with us. Like, you know, that we're, we're pretty clean and that we're uh, no bad uh, things were found about us. And I guess Allison and I might think, that, okay, maybe that makes us a little boring, but the, they were actually really impressed that you we speak were. speak for yourself. I'm not boring. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> But that, that we, that again, we were, uh, were, were really upstanding uh, citizens in the community in their eyes, basically, just on the background check they did on us. Yeah. And we had to have references from friends and family. They interviewed us for hours, too. <laughs> that's the other thing that's interesting. They interviewed Albert separately. They interviewed me separately. If Avery had been old enough at that time to uh, be interviewed, they would have interviewed her individually, but they just sat and spent some time with her. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really intrusive. Like, it's like down to like your, past childhood history and your current employment history and your finances and um, like any kind of relationship issues like it's really intrusive and you know I hope that by saying all this we're not scaring anybody off because that's not the intention it's just to educate that the initial approval process is quite extensive and again it's understandable why because they're putting children in the home that they need to trust you with um, and but it's worth it if you're really committed it's worth it absolutely yeah yeah so we get to the point where we're approved and we're ready to go we, we are officially accepted and to the program we are officially uh legal foster parents which happened in september of uh, 2019 and that day we had planned a disneyland trip so we got to celebrate at disneyland uh for us it was a big deal just getting accepted even though like i mean there's no way we weren't going to get accepted but as allison mentioned it was a lot of work that had to go forth to to be get to that point 
But uh, the next part, again, we have to remember the importance of patience and long suffering because we, we obviously went through that with uh, the fertility problems that we had and getting to eventually get Avery into our home. Uh, so we went several months with uh, no calls. Right? Yeah, which was surprising. We thought we'd get a call right away and some people do. And now looking back, I see the timing worked exactly as it should have. But at the time, it was really frustrating that we went that long without any calls at all after we'd just been approved. Mm -hmm. Oh, one other thing I, I think it's important to mention. So uh, when you get approved and uh, they'll, they'll ask you what type of children are you looking to welcome into your home through foster care and uh, the parents, the, the resource parents, they have every right to say yes or no. And that you even tell them your specific criteria as to what you want. Uh, I, I really wanted another girl in, in the home. Allison really wanted another boy, <laughs> but then we also, we, we discussed it extensively because again, Allison wanting to be considerate of my needs and the things that I was concerned about that we weren't really ready to take on uh, a hardcore special needs, um, which again, could entail lots of different things for the, for the child. Uh, in an ideal perfect world, we would have preferred not to have too much drug exposure, but unfortunately that's just the reality we live in. And the fact that uh, the child is put into the foster system because they have been exposed to drugs. Most so, times. Most times. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to say you don't want no drug exposure at all, that's basically like uh, wishful thinking almost. Yeah. Right? We learned that the hard way. Like we went into it thinking, oh, we don't really want a severely drug exposed baby. And we learned that 90% of the kids are severely drug exposed. And that's a lot, large part of what brings kids to the foster system. So now we've learned to curtail that request, but mm -hmm. it still presents other challenges. It does. Yeah. This is something to, to remember and consider. And then last other major criteria that we had thought about extensively and thought that would be the best fit for our family, best fit for our family was to uh, uh, request specific ethnicity because Allison is white and I'm Hispanic. No way. No, <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> I'm just messing. Keep I know, going. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm sure obviously our friends all do that, but uh, <laughs> so that obviously that means that Avery is a beautiful mix of both. Beautiful. <laughs> but, but yeah, so um, again, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. I was going to say, you also forgot to mention the age requirement under Avery. Thank you. That's a very important thing yeah. too. So again, we, we wanted to honor Avery's birth order because uh, that's very important and something to consider that Avery's just as much a part of this as we are. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to uh, all of a sudden like take in a child that's older than her. And then, oh, by the way, you're no longer the oldest in the family. Mm -hmm. So the specific absolutely cutoff line is that we would not accept a child older than Avery. Yeah. And also, can we go back to the ethnicity? Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. want anyone to think we're racist. Explain why we wanted that ethnicity. Oh, okay. I was going to get to that. Thank you. Oh, right. sorry. sorry. I keep interrupting you. No, no, Tell me fine. to be quiet. Go. <laughs> okay. So uh, again, we, we thought that it could be difficult and challenging uh, as, as foster parents to, to welcome a child into our home who wasn't uh, either Hispanic themselves or Caucasian themselves or a mixture of both. I mean, a mixture of both would be perfect, but obviously that maybe isn't always the case. To find, to find a child like that. Uh, again, it's, it's for, for our family and I think for the childs as well to not have them feel uh, like they don't belong, they don't fit in our family. Uh, I, I think we would be open to a, a wider range now. But, yeah, I think we've learned through yeah. other families that have fostered um, kids of other ethnicity that it really doesn't matter as much as we thought at the time. Yeah. Uh, at the time, we thought we didn't want them to feel different any more than they already would be if they were adopted or fostered. Mm -hmm. um, but now we've learned that's not a big deal. And now, I, I mean, the other day, the agency asked what, what ethnicity we'd look for. And I'm like, I don't care. 
just call us. So Mm -hmm. we've learned a lot, but at the time that was our criteria. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I mentioned all this because again, anyone who may be potentially interested in doing it, please, please know that uh, you can set whatever criteria you want, Mm -hmm. because again, you're, you're doing uh, the county a favor, you're doing the child a favor. So basically they, they, the agencies, they really want to take care of their, their foster, their resource parents and make sure that their needs are met. And uh, as a foster parent, please don't ever take on more than you can possibly handle. So again, that's, it's important to remember that you, you set the criteria as to what, what type of child you would welcome into your home. But remember again, the point that I also want to make is that if you have a lot of restrictions, it can potentially, uh, uh, limit, the, the amount of calls you would get and opportunities you have to welcome children into your home. But that is totally 100, 100% up to you. And I think that's why we didn't get calls in the beginning is because we were a lot more restrictive than mm-hmm. we thought we should be yeah. later on. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I would say those restrictions are important. So again, it's discussions that Allison and I have constantly been having and deciding what's going to be the best fit for our family. So now we're at the point. Uh, it is January of 2020. Uh, we're a few months uh, shy of COVID hitting, but so, so the most part things are really normal and in the world and in our family. And, uh, I don't know, do you remember the, the actual circumstance or you remember the, the time when we got that phone call? Yeah, I totally do. Okay. For Kelly, right? Yeah, for Kelly. Okay. So we got a call for a little girl that they said initially was 15 months old. She turned out to be 18 months old. And, um, they said that she was coming from a home that was, um, neglected and with drug exposure and highly adoptable, which at the time we thought we really wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I totally felt the spirit say, move forward. I felt this peace about that call. I knew she was supposed to come to us, um, and remind me later to explain my scenario with that. But, um, so I called Albert and I was like, Hey, I feel like this is the right call for us. And we wanted to move forward. And we said, yes. And she came to us and geez, like, how do you describe what Kelly did to us, huh? Oh, yeah. And then actually the part that Allison, I think, uh, maybe you're forgetting, but she would totally mention is that as soon as we got the call, we had to rush to Target by everything yeah. we needed. <laughs> we weren't prepared at all, but we were saying, all right, we're doing this. We're, we're jumping head in. So we got to get everything that we need for a 15-month-year-old girl. And as it turns out, as Allison mentioned, I mean, we, we actually needed clothes bigger because she was bigger and, and older than we were initially told. Yeah. Well, and we had prepared for a newborn. So that's yeah. why we did this like rush to target run, Yeah, which was super fun and exciting though. You know, you go through and spend 200 bucks on stuff that you need for a toddler, mm-hmm. but we prepared for a newborn mm-hmm. and we did it within like a couple of hours and we got her that night. That night, pretty late, like around like 11 yeah. or so. And our, our good friends, Ryan and Stephanie and uh, shout out Ryan and Steph, <laughs> Ryan and Steph and, and Steph's sister, Alex, they came to, they were here. They, they were here when we got to say hello to Callie for the first time. Yeah. They were super surprised supportive and wanted to be a part of that. And I never, ever will forget the social worker drove up in the car. Oh, I'm going to cry again. And um, we were waiting outside for her and we saw Callie in the car seat. And I said to the social worker, can I get her out of the car seat? And she said, yes. And I picked up Callie and she just gave me this huge hug the second I picked her up. And that was it. I was in love from that hug. Like from then on, that little girl has been a part of our lives and always will be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Allison, you could probably talk to this more than I can, because this is the part where, again, this shows how wonderful and amazing Allison is and how much work and effort she put forth in that when we have a child in your home, uh, depending on the circumstances with the families, that would mean that you have to do visits because uh, the parents are entitled to certain visits. Uh, the amount of time they get and where this visit, these visits take place uh, depends on the circumstance and where the parents are in their lives. It's, 
in their recovery process. So Allison, if you can talk a little more to that as to the initial like month, two months as to getting everything ready for Cali but before COVID hit. So yeah, the visits are part of it if the family's involved and it's court mandated what visits happen. So you get no say, you get told when and where and how often, and it's quite extensive. We did two to three visits a week of two to three hours of time with Callie's family initially. Um, and you just have to be available and drop everything. So fostering really does consume your whole life, but again, it's totally worth it. We were told to visit with mom and dad separately initially, and it was one of those things where, you know, I've learned a lot from this process. And one of the biggest things I've learned is not to judge. And so my initial thought process going into this scenario was that there was something wrong with Kelly's parents and something wrong with the family and, um, and that they had made poor choices and it was their fault that she ended up where she was. And now I look back with such regret on those thoughts because I had no clue. And I've just softened my heart a million times over um, because we just love, love, love Kelly's family. And we've developed such a good relationship with them and just can't imagine our lives without them. But at the time it was really hard. You go and you have, it's awkward. The family, you know, is upset with you having their child. Um, they don't know you, you don't know them. And yet you take their child away again. It's just really, really hard. Um, and so in the beginning it was tough, but I remember they offered the County to go and do the visits instead, but I wanted to get to know her family and I wanted to develop a relationship with them. And so slowly over time, that's what we did. We, kept visits multiple times a week and developed a love for her family and them for us and got to know them. And it became a really positive scenario, but the visits are challenging. There's a lot of emotion and legal stuff involved. And it's also hard to walk away with that child every single time. And, you know, Callie would act up and throw fits and for a day or two after the visit struggle. And then just when she'd start to get back to a little bit behaved again, we'd have another visit. And it was so challenging on her emotional and behavioral attitude. Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah and then you throw into the mix uh COVID occurring in March of uh 2020 so just uh two short months after we got welcomed Callie into our home we had that that affected everybody uh in unimaginable ways Which, but, oh, oh sorry sorry, no, sorry you're fine, but I think that also was a blessing in disguise because mm -hmm. Avery was left by herself during COVID mm -hmm. and you know like daycare shut down everything shut down we were home with her 24 7 but she had Callie with her which was a saving grace because she had a built-in friend during that COVID lockdown time. Oh, absolutely. It was wonderful to actually see the, the relationship that Avery and Callie developed together during that time. Uh, so so like we're having wonderful months with enjoying Callie, but then at the same time, we get to see her parents uh, get better, which is obviously mm -hmm. something we really wanted to see happen. Uh, because again, that's where we want to be rooting for them. You know, at the same time, yes, we, we want to, have, if we given the opportunity, we would absolutely have adopted Callie permanently into our home. But it was rewarding to see as, as there were, our relationship strengthened with her parents, as Allison mentioned, it was rewarding to see the progress they made, which was great. Uh, again, it got a little more challenging at times also because as COVID restrictions started to get lifted a little bit, or I guess as things uh, uh, progressed with them, they got more overnight visits and weekend visits. So we weren't uh, Callie wasn't with our home as much as before, but at the same time, I think it was still a, a worthwhile experience to see her family grow and develop the way they did and that our relationship with them got better too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so then we come to the, another important milestone. We get another phone call for another placement, right? Yep. For a child that we affectionately gave the nickname of Ace and Avery, uh, added to it and called it Ace Man, called, <laughs> called him Ace Man. And it was a wonderful 
great experience. But this, again, he it was a really special need for this child. He was born premature. Uh, he was only four pounds, right, when he right. at birth. And we got him as a newborn. And I remember when Allison brought him home, uh, like my heart just sank because, again, I was grateful that we had this opportunity to help this child, but he looked so sickly. And it was just, like, it just made you really, really sad that mm-hmm. to see this poor child in the situation he was in. And do you remember what month that was that we got that call? It was in August of uh, 2020. Okay. Uh, just just earlier in the month, we had celebrated my my 40th drive through birthday party <laughs> that yeah. Allison had done for me. And we and that was pretty cool because at that birthday party, we got to show off Callie to a lot of our friends who hadn't seen her in person mm-hmm. because we, we did a, a social distance drive through party for me. Allison made a wonderful surprise and our good friends, the Ferrantes and uh, shout out Stephen Ryan Stephen again, Ryan again and, and Steph's wonderful sister, uh, uh, Nancy and her husband. They were gracious enough to host us or host, host me for the party. Uh, and we got to show off Callie to all of our friends and family who could make it. But then a few weeks after that is when we get this phone call for Ace. And we get to welcome uh, the newborn baby into our home. And Allison had to do visits with Ace as well. So she was doing visits on top of visits, right? So that must have been pretty challenging. At yeah. The time. And I was, you know, very, very adamant about getting to know the family and doing the visits myself. So I was doing visits with Callie's family and they were quite extensive still. And then I was doing visits with Ace's family and then throw that in with the social workers because we had two different social workers for the county and a social worker for our agency and they came each week. So we had constant visitors or we were constantly driving the kids somewhere. It was really challenging, but also I'm so glad because I got to know Ace's parent or Ace's mom specifically a little bit better. We mm-hmm. didn't meet his dad till the very day he left, but mm-hmm. his mom, I got to meet and get to know her background and her story and have some compassion for her. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so shortly after that was around Thanksgiving time of that year. And that's when we get the phone call that, uh, the biological father for Ace had been found and he'd been approved and he was ready to take him back into his home. Yeah. So we only had Ace for about three months. Uh, about two three months. months. Yeah. Two, two and a half months. So yeah. about the end of August to around Thanksgiving time in November. Yeah. So, so we had to say goodbye to him. He was, uh, he, he touched our hearts the short time that we mm-hmm. had him and we were grateful that we got to help him grow and develop. Unfortunately, we do not have any contact with all with uh, Ace. So mm-hmm. we, we pray and hope that he's doing well. Um, it, the, the short time that we got to meet his biological father, it seemed like he had a good head on his shoulders and that he had a good support team of family, extensive family who was going to be able to help him. So wherever he is now, I'm, I'm hopeful and, and somewhat confident that Ace is doing well. Mm-hmm. I, it'd be nice to just know, but I mean, that's part of the process in that, we don't always get what uh, those those notifications how the children are doing after they leave us. So I think it's important to to remember that you know take care of them the best you can while you have them and try and impact their lives as best you can. Yeah, I will always consider Ace a son, even though we have no connection with him now. We have no clue where he is, but to me, he will always be one of ours, and we cherish the time we had with him. And I, it's one of the hardest things for me to not know where he is and how he's doing, but like you said, just trusting that God watches over him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm crying again. Look what you're doing to me. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Carry on. So, so then we get another phone call and, uh, and this time it's for baby Isla. When so was that? This would Timeline. have been, uh, December of, uh, 2020. So not much longer after that. Not much longer after that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, at the same time, we had to remember that we were getting ready. We, we had at Thanksgiving time, we had gone to visit my family in Arizona. And now we were getting ready to go visit Allison's family in Hawaii with COVID still, you know, very much on going on. Uh, so 
Oh wait, I, I apologize. Did did we we? I think we took Isla in after we came back. Yeah. Okay, so I think we so, got the phone call, right? Or we got the phone call, but they said that they didn't need to give her to us for a little bit because oh, okay. she was in a stableish environment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so we we got the phone call and then we actually welcomed Isla into our home uh, after we became after the holidays were over. So right. it would have been like maybe like was it right before New Year's Eve? Then? Right. Okay, so the, the week after, after Christmas, December. but before New Year's, right? And and we still had Callie in our home too, so uh, it was nice to you know we had a house full of girls, <laughs> <laughs> which was really great. But at the same time, remembering that at, at this stage, uh, Callie's parents are really get, getting better and healthier, and they're keeping her for longer, so she wasn't in our home as frequently as she had been, even though she was still in our primary care. Mm-hmm. And we didn't take her with us over Christmas. No, she not stayed for, with her family. Yeah, yeah. But we, we got to face chat, FaceTime with her. And uh, we, we again, as Allison mentioned, we got to develop such a really good relationship with her parents. So uh, this is the part where it gets pretty sad for us to, uh, when we, we knew eventually it was going to come. In fact, actually, it almost came much sooner, right? Mm-hmm. When, when Callie was going to be formally reunified with her family. But then mm-hmm. something happened and we ended up keeping her longer. Because I think it was, I want to say it was almost back when COVID started. We almost lost her back then, right? No, not that soon. It was like the October-ish sure? or something. I, I thought like in April. Oh, maybe. I don't remember. Okay, you're, well, you're the timeline man. Okay. But that, that's not important now. The important thing is we're getting to this. It's February of 2021. And we have Isla. We have Isla in our home. And we have Kelly. And yeah, we got to do something really nice and special for all the girls for, for Valentine's Day. Yeah. But shortly after Valentine's Day is when we get to the part where we had to say goodbye to Kelly. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really hard and emotional. Uh, as Allison had mentioned, we had grown such a fondness for her. She'd really become a part of our family. We loved her dearly. And maybe even the most important thing, I think, is as Allison had mentioned, she, she got to be a friend and ally for Avery when she really needed it. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, so we were grateful that we got to have Callie in our home. And um, at the, it felt like a long time that we did because, again, it was a little over a year. But at the same time, that year, a year and a month, year and change went by so fast, mm-hmm. too. So uh, but the important, beautiful thing we have to remember is because. Allison had the foresight to really develop a good relationship with Callie's family that even though she's left our home, we've had so much contact with her and we've gotten to welcome her home uh, to, for, for play dates, uh, a few overnights. Um, she, she came to uh, Avery's uh, birthday party for her fifth birthday just earlier this year. So we, and we've gotten to FaceTime chat with her many times. So uh, we still have that relationship with her, which is really great. And uh, she, uh, it, it was also awesome to see her grow and develop the way she did because mm-hmm. she was a much different child uh, from when she left our home versus when we actually first got her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I attribute that to a lot of therapy sessions and a lot of love. Um, I think the hardest thing for me when she left was not knowing if we really would see her. Oh my gosh, because you know the family is not really obligated to keep any contact with you as we saw with Ace's experience, mm-hmm. but her family kept promising that they would. So there's this hope that they really follow through and the fear that they might not have to. And I think the first time we got to see her again and we heard from them again, I was just so relieved. And her family's just been phenomenal in that regard. Like Albert said, every two to three months, we have her over and spend the night and we spend time with her. And she's still such a part of our family. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me personally, at least I, the, the most whole I feel and the most um, happy I feel is when Callie's with us visiting. And I feel like we're a little family with her. And so she will always be a part of our family. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll always uh, love her greatly. 
so, but but also the part that we have to bring up now is that about a month after we had to say goodbye to Callie, that's when we also had to say goodbye to Isla. And, and that was pretty devastating too. That again, Isla was in our home for just a short amount of time, uh, just like Ace. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have any contact with Isla either. No, that's not true. Every once in a while, his, her oh, sends me those pictures. You're right. Thank you. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, is, that is true. Yeah, we do have some, just very, very little. We haven't mm-hmm. actually seen her. Uh, and what actually could be a little heartbreaking to me is so uh, I, I haven't told you this, Allison. Okay, so when we, we had to drop her off and she lives all the way deep, deep into uh, like uh, East LA area. And um, Avery, we brought Avery with us to say goodbye to her as we dropped her off to her, her family that was going to be watching her uh, from that moment forward. And there was like this park area that was right by the house. And there's a park area that looks very similar to it here in Upland where we live. And uh, when I drive Avery to school, uh, to her school, every time we drive by, she seems to think that we're in Isla's neighborhood. Oh, really? She keeps thinking, oh, can we go see Isla? I'm like, oh, oh, oh Avery, no, we're, we're not. Sorry, Avery, this is Upland. We're not in the same area. It looks just like it. Yeah. That breaks <laughs> my heart. Uh, so it, it is pretty, uh, yeah. And yeah, maybe I should take a different way to take Avery to school. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that way anymore. But, uh, there's some cool houses for Halloween that Avery likes to drive by, but maybe uh, Halloween time as well. I'll take her back to that street. But anyways, here and here and there. there. Um, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> uh, you're overwhelmed. I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, okay. it's just, it was hard to say goodbye to her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to have tons and tons of contact. Like I said, every once in a while, we get a picture from her aunt which is super gracious mm-hmm. and she looks beautiful and looks like she's growing and healthy, but it is hard to, once again, to, you know, you welcome a child into your home and you just, Oh, see, I'm crying now. You know, we said from the beginning of this story that this experience that we would love a child in our home as though they're our own for as long as they're in our home. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done with each child is we've just welcomed them as our own. And that child gets the entire world from us and so when you invest that into a child and then you lose them it's pretty devastating even though they go on to good things and they're doing well and you want them to be with their family and reunified it's just been really hard to lose a piece of my heart every time it has yeah and it was pretty daunting that we had to do three goodbyes in the span of about three months yeah that was so rough in fact the the cali i love goodbye again that was only just weeks apart from each other oh that was so hard Mm -hmm. so 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 again, we're at, we're it's March of uh, uh, 2021, and we're back to just the three of us again uh, for the past over little over a year. There's been at least one other child besides Avery in the home. Now it's just myself, Allison, and Avery. And um, yeah, it, it felt empty. I mean, it, we were grateful that we had the opportunity to impact the, the children that we did get to, but it did feel kind of empty that it was just the three of us. But this is where the story becomes very, very interesting. <laughs> So again, uh, you know, like a, like a three act play, you know, you got the act one and act two, act three is when you have like the, the happy ending. And this is when you get to like the, the emotional climax, like the, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll nerd out a little bit. This is when we, uh, the rebels destroy the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> so, so stay tuned for part three of our special trilogy, because uh, we're going to talk about very extensively the the welcoming of baby lion into our home and the eventual adoption of our now son Liam. Yay, that's the best part. <laughs> well, I can't wait. You guys have to tune in. <laughs> 
Okay, so thank you for tuning in to a very, very special episode, part two of our trilogy of the Casting for Fun podcast. Uh, are we good? Did we leave anything out? Anything well, I don't we think we mention? talked about any lessons learned that we had from fostering. Oh, okay. We should we should touch on that. Really we should do that now. before we celebrate. Okay. But yeah, okay. Lessons learned. You go first. Okay. Uh, lessons learned. You got to be patient. Um, I mean, yeah, again, I haven't when, learned that. <laughs> uh, patience <laughs> in the timing and then patience when, when the child is here. I mean, again, we talk about how wonderful and how much we love Callie and how great she is. But again, there was a lot of fighting between her and Avery and a lot of like uh, uh, maybe some uh, not so good behavior that we had to just work on. And, you know, we have to at times discipline this child. But again, you have to be very, very careful in the method in which you are disciplining the child. So mm-hmm. pa- patience is definitely uh, an important thing. Uh, Callie slept really well. That was really good. But at the same time, you may be welcoming a child into your home that doesn't sleep well at all. Well, and all the newborns we had, they oh. didn't sleep well. Oh, yeah. We went months and months and just switched out newborn after newborn. So we went months without sleeping through the night. It almost seemed like we had a newborn child for like a straight year. Yeah, we basically <laughs> did. Yeah, so it, it was uh, pretty crazy. And yeah. it wasn't at quite as long as a year. It just felt like it a just year. felt like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, learning patience, learning uh, humility. When, when it comes to fostering and uh, learning to to love unconditionally. I mean, those are things that you would have learned in a marriage anyways and things that I've learned with my marriage to Allison, but fostering itself uh, strengthened, I think, those lessons. I'm sure glad I've taught you patience. Yes. Too bad you haven't been able to teach me that. <laughs> um, I would say, wait, are you done? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I would say two lessons learned, like not judging, because again, you don't know what these families have gone through and what their lives are like. And, and sometimes I look back and think I just was dealt an easier hand and that's the difference. Um, I've learned um, the need that there is for foster families. Um, we got so many phone calls, so, so many phone calls for kids. And we had to weed out what worked best for our family. But even to this day, like we got a call this week for another newborn girl and we aren't taking newborns in right now, but um, there's just such a need. And so if your heart is at all inclined to take in children and to love them in the manner that fostering allows, we highly encourage you to look into it because there's so many children and so many biological families that need your support and your love. Um, I would say too, um, in addition to those lessons, I would say that it's just really taught me a lot of compassion for others and for what they've gone through. Um, Everybody has a story and if you don't know them well enough, you may not know that they have a story, but once you get to know them, everyone has something they're going through and some kind of challenge. And it's really given me a lot of compassion, not necessarily even just for fostering, but for every challenge and trial that people go through. And that's helped us as well. Um, and then I think that the another lesson is relying on your village. Like we could not have gotten through fostering without our close family and friends. There were so many times that I just begged for somebody to come over and to watch the kids like get a nap because we'd gone months and months without sleeping through the night. And people just showed up and came and saved us. And we got meals provided and we had clothes donated. And I mean, the, the amazing compassion that came from other people that, that loved our children in the foster system through us was what sustained us as well. And I just really appreciate that. Thank you, Allison, for sharing. Okay, so I, I think we're done. Uh, thank you again for tuning into this special episode of the Catholic Fun Podcast. And stay tuned for part three of the trilogy. Woo-woo!